Welcome to the podcast from Plum Creek Community Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. Thanks for downloading my dad. I hope as you listen, you are challenged and encouraged by his message. Good morning. How are you? You dry? I hope. Man, we came in on a boat this morning, so it's crazy out there. And uh, what a crazy weekend. This is a really important weekend, though. Some of you know that... uh, Pastor Gary and I grew up together, and, and so we went to college and enjoyed the chance to do college together. We've been friends for like 25 years or whatever it is now, and, and uh, <clears throat> his Vikings are uh, playing my Bears today, and so he's currently not talking to me. So I get it, though, because they haven't won in a long time <laughs> when we've played, so if we just give him a little break, you know, his bad attitude passes usually by like Wednesday or Thursday after we beat them again today. So it'll be awesome. Seriously, we're in a series where uh, we've been talking about this, this word Christian because it's so misunderstood in our culture today, large in part due to some of the things that we've done and things that we've said that have miscommunicated and somehow gotten off kilter, the real heart behind a following Christ that Jesus wanted us to have and that God wanted us to have. And so during this series, we've been talking about <clears throat> what it means to really do this right what it means to uh, live for the Lord, what it means to be a Christ follower in the way that, uh, that Christ wanted us to. And so it's been a good series. I do think this is an important series too because uh, there's a lot of people talking about Plum Creek. There's a lot of things that are happening now, kind of more visible than us hidden here in the theater because of all the activity south of town as we're heading towards our new facility. So it's important that we do this right. We get one chance to do this right in somebody's life. And we want to make sure that we do it well. And so for the last several weeks, we've been taking a look at what it means to passionately be a Christ follower and kind of obliterate some of those misconceptions and things that have been communicated over the years. So this week, we're going to take a look at this a little bit further. Do do you like a good loophole? You know what I'm talking about there? Good loophole. Everybody, I think, likes a good loophole. Somehow you get finagle your way out of doing something that you thought that, that, uh, that maybe was required of you, an exception, a technicality that gets you off in some way, a workaround. Uh, this passion for loopholes starts when we're very young. And uh, we see that in our, in our kids all the time. A uh, conversation that might go something like this when you get home from being at your friend's house. <clears throat> Mom says, uh, where were you last night? Well, you know, I was at so-and-so's house and and uh, they were having a party, and, and we, had a, we had a good time together. You know our rule, uh-huh. And I asked you before you went if their parents were going to be home. <clears throat> oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. You asked me if their parents were going to be home, and I knew they would eventually be home. I didn't say they would be home during the party, Right? Or this is a good one where the kids that love to skateboard see the sign that says no skateboards. And they think to themselves, oh, yeah, sorry, officer. I have never been able to ride two skateboards at the same time. And the sign said skateboards, plural. And so I didn't think that applied to me. We've all seen this happen before. We hate when other people get off of stuff because of a technicality. Don't you hate that? I hate that. Because I'm the one that always gets hit with it, right? 
I've told some of you this story before. Uh, our football coach, when I was in college, strong Christian guy, his name is Leslie Frazier. And we actually taught him so much about coaching and football that today he's the head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, he's a really great guy. But we were in college, and Coach Frazier and I were speaking at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes event, and we were on our way back to the campus. Uh, some of you have heard this, and we are headed home on this road, and, and uh, Coach Frazier got pulled over, which, of course, we thought was great. We're like, dude, Coach, you're going to get a ticket, man. It's awesome. Well, Coach Frazier used to play for the Chicago Bears, right? And so uh, he blew his knee out in the Super Bowl a few years back, and uh, so uh, the cop comes up to the window and he rolls his window down and and he says driver's license and registration please and he grabs the driver's license and registration from coach Fraser and we're like dude it's gonna be awesome coach get a ticket he took like seriously five or ten steps to the car world right back around came to the window and he said you you wouldn't be Leslie Fraser from the Chicago Bears would you to which coach just kind of smiled and said why yes I am and he handed him a piece of paper, and there was no writing on it yet. And he said, would you mind signing this for my son? <clears throat> and Coach Frazier's like, can I borrow your pen, right? And so he wrote, what's your kid's name? He wrote it all on there and handed it back. And the guy said this. He said, this is typically an area where we give warnings. Please drive more carefully, Mr. Frazier. And we're all like, what? That is not okay. I would have got a ticket. It's only a place where you give warnings if you happen to have played in the NFL, right? These guys, I hate it when people get off on stuff. But here's what I've come to know to be true. Christians love loopholes too, and that's kind of one of the perceptions about us that we need to work through today. Every, every religion seems to have their book, which is full of their rules, and the people that adhere to whatever said religion it is, they're all trying to figure out how to make the rules not apply to them, right? So we're, we're going to talk about this today. <clears throat> As Christians, we're kind of known to be the people that love to find that loophole, but apply it to everybody else's life in a different way. Back when the day when I was a youth pastor, the students would ask me a lot, like, so Doug, I just need to know, like, this is a really important question, like, how far is too far? Like, I don't want to sin, but I want to get as close to it as I can. And every good youth pastor goes, no, wait a minute. Back up way before that, and let's put some infrastructure of protection in here, right? We need to do this well. And we laugh, but here's the deal. Parents, adults, grandmas, grandparents, we're asking the same question oftentimes in our own lives. How far can I take whatever it is but not cross that line and do something that would not be good. Now, some of you, if you grew up Catholic, you guys had the perfect, the greatest loophole of all time. It's, uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. It's confession. So you do just live and craziness and stuff went down and things happen, and you just go talk to the priest. Tell him what happened. You're good. You go back out, live however you want, come back in. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Now, the tradition that I grew up in was similar, except we had to quote a verse first. <clears throat> and then we would talk to the Lord. We didn't need the middleman. Uh, that verse, some of you know it, is 1 John 1, 9. It's actually a great verse, talking about our incredible God. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. That is a great thing about our God, as long as you don't exploit that promise. Because we like to usually couple that one with the one as well that, like the promises we have in the Old Testament from Isaiah that say things like, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. 
So then we go back to the Lord after we've done something and quoted 1 John 1, 9, and we say, Lord, man, I messed up, and I, I did it again. And he's like, did what? And if we're not careful, we can get to the place where we're taking advantage or somehow misunderstanding our God's forgiving heart. <clears throat> I remember just a couple of uh, years ago, I had a new Plum Creeker was uh, part of our church, and, and we were in conversation, and you know, I think we were out for coffee or something. We were talking, and I said, man, do you, do you in the conversation, do you have a Bible? And he said, no, do, do, do no, Mm-mm. nope. Don't have one. And I said, well, I, I will get you a Bible. You need to have a Bible. And he's like, oh, whoa, whoa. He's like, no, I don't want a Bible. And I said, why don't you want a Bible? And he said, because then I would be held responsible for what it says. <clears throat> and some of you have a Bible and are not responsible for what it says. But we have this idea that we want to finagle our way around. And people have, have um, mistreated other people and persecuted people and enslaved people. And all kinds of bad things have happened. And then somehow clarified or justified or finagled their way into that kind of behavior, misquoting or misusing uh, the, the word of God, using verses to say that. Many Christians have found a way, and this is so confusing to me, have found a way to disregard others, have found a way to mistreat the same, with God's words, the same people that God died for. And that's not okay. We can't, we can't be doing this. If we have Google and a smartphone and some internet connectivity, you could find someone that will misuse scripture to defend or to qualify or to finagle their way out of just about anything you can possibly imagine. How close can I get to sin without sinning? This loophole deal is not a new problem, though. When Jesus was here on earth, he had to deal with these same issues that we have to deal with here Uh, The passion for loopholes was something that Jesus dealt with, and the religious leaders of Jesus' day were famous for finding loopholes and trying to get their way out of things. I'm getting ready to sneeze, and it's going to be in a microphone, and it's bad, Uh, so I'm trying not to. But by the time Jesus showed up, the religious leaders, they were so consumed and had such a love for the commands in Scripture that they lost track of the intent of the commander. Did you hear that? They became more about rules and regulation than it was about a relationship. Sound familiar? This is what a lot of people say about us in a misunderstanding as it relates to Christianity, that we're all about rules and regulations. And we typically will respond by saying, oh no, it's a relationship. We hear this and we think, oh man, there's no way that someone could get so focused on rules that they've lost the heart of the commander of the rules. This happens all the time. So religious people had fallen in love with those commands. They had come, become so passionate about not breaking the commands that they literally came up with hundreds of extra rules that were safeguards to prevent them from breaking the real rules. Does that make sense? So they had rules to not break the rules. Can you believe that? That's crazy until you understand that's the exact same thing we do. For example, in the Miller home, we have a light blanket rule. The light blanket rule means this. If my guys or Megan has a guy over or if the guys have a girl over, then they're downstairs in the basement watching a movie. The lights cannot be completely turned off and you can't have blankets covering you. 
And that's not because Beth and I are just really passionate about lights and blankets, unless it's up in our room, right? I don't really care about lights and blankets. What I care about is that my kids are not messing around in the basement. You understand what I'm saying? But this can get very confusing. Say, for example, Zach has a lady over watching a movie down in the basement. Lights get too low. Blankets get covered. Beth comes down and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know we have a light blanket rule. To which Zach would respond by saying, oh, oh, I totally misunderstood the light rule because just, mom, just a little bit ago, you were telling me when I was upstairs and getting on to me that I needed to turn the lights off in my bedroom. And so I just thought that you meant turn all the lights off, right? And so I had the lights on up there. You told me to turn them off. I have them off down here and you want me to turn them on. Mom, I'm just so confused about... It's not about the lights, right? The rule is a rule to help us from breaking another rule. I really have a don't mess around rule in our home. But the way we're trying to back up from the don't mess around rule is the light and the blanket rule. So you can see that we all do this. The intent is good. You know, sex outside of the confines of marriage has consequences. And so we want to back way up from that and put some safeguards in place. Jesus showed up, and these guys had hundreds and hundreds of rules. And as was common then, as is common now, over the course of time, these people had begun to equate the rules that you keep from breaking rules as the actual rules. Now, I've had this happen in my life personally, and it's actually been a source of contention in my marriage. Let me explain to you this. You see, Beth grew up dancing And she loves to dance, and she's actually a very good dancer. I did not grow up dancing. As a matter of fact, I know that if you dance, that's usually how you get a girl pregnant. See? Yeah. And so then I married Beth, and she didn't grow up that way. And so we were trying to sort this all out, and, you know, she loves to dance. And I'm like, we already have four kids, you know? Like, we don't need any more kids. We got four is plenty. And so we've had to work through this a little bit so that we could so that we could uh, actually enjoy dancing together. And sometimes you might see us, at, we have some new rules in, in our relationship. So if we're going to go to a wedding, you see, I, I have to buy Beth the highest heeled shoes I possibly can find. And I'm not even kidding you. And the reason is because I want to wear her feet out fast, right? And so her feet will be hurting and we can shut the dancing down. <laughs> I'm getting a little better. I'm getting a little better. I, I like to dance. And sometimes, you know, I've, you, know you, you might see Beth and I dancing on the dance floor at a wedding or wherever. And, uh, you know, I'll have my eyes closed, and you might think, oh, boy, he just sure loves her, doesn't he? And you're right, I do. But actually, I'm praying that we don't have any kids while we're out there, right? So we have these rules that are preventing us from breaking other rules, and it gets all complicated. And over the course of time, the people have begun to equate the rules that you keep from breaking the rules with the actual rules. And then when you listen to this passage and this communication that Jesus had with these people that found themselves in the spot, I think we're going to boil this all down here and we're going we're gonna, to oh, we're gonna, we're gonna step aside from the overcomplication of what it means to be a Christ follower and we're going to boil this down to some simple things that I think will make a big difference in the way that we live. Back in Jesus' day, these super religious people were more in love with those commandments than they were the commander. And uh, so follow along with me, if you have your Bibles, in Matthew chapter 15. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, uh, some of the Pharisees, it says, you can turn there in your 
iPhones or your smartphones, or it's on the screen too. Some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. Now I want you to watch very carefully the words that are used in these verses. They asked him, look at verse 2, why do your disciples disobey our, now look what they say, age-old tradition? Why are your disciples disobeying our age-old tradition? Now look what they were doing. I, I mean, I just can't believe anybody would do this. For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. I know what's happening right now. For those of you that are parents of young kids, you're like, dude, washing hands before you eat is in the Bible? That is going up on the wall in the kitchen, right? <clears throat> There's a whole lot more going on here. You can see that these teachers of the law, they're freaking out. Does it seem like a big deal? They're freaking out about a rule. And let me explain this rule to you, what was going on here. The tradition of the elders was this law created to keep people from breaking other laws, like the lights in the basement thing. And so what happened was, in the law, the priests, just the priests, were required to do these over-the-top ceremonial washings which included washing all the way up to their elbows before they eat. Now, we know washing our hands before we eat is important, right? But they wanted to take it even further than that. They want to, in case you happen to be eating with your elbow, we want to make sure those babies are clean too. But as time went by, the Pharisees then took this law that was written exclusively for the priests and decided to apply these rules to everybody. So all the Jewish people then had to do these ceremonial washings, and over time, it became required in their system of thinking, but it wasn't even close to being part of what Moses initially had communicated that they needed to do in the original law. So for whatever reason, I mean, I know I can't believe these guys would do this either, but you know, for whatever reason, they didn't wash all the way to their elbows, people got ticked. And so can you imagine being in the audience of Jesus, being able to ask him any question you want, interact with him in any way you want, and you want to get focused in on the disciples not washing their elbows? Do you see a problem? I see a problem here. <clears throat> so Jesus sees a problem, and he intergage, in, in, inter, um, in, enters into this communi communication with them and interacts with them in this way, and Jesus says this. I want you to see what he says and what he doesn't say. Jesus replied in verse 3. He's not even going to answer their question. And he says this, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? Do you see the distinction there? And he says, for instance, God says, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of your father or mother must be put to death. Some of you parents are getting ready to write another verse on the wall in the kitchen, right? Kids, like seriously, don't mess around with me, okay? <clears throat> but I, but you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I, would given, what I would have given to you. And in this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so look at this carefully. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. And he calls them this, you hypocrites. Let me, this is kind of confusing, isn't it? Let me try and explain to you what happens. Do you remember the Ten Commandments? We did a series a couple summers ago. What's this one? 
Don't have any other gods before you? No idols? This was my brother Andy's favorite. Do you remember? Don't take the Lord's name in vain, right? Count back seven. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And you guys are doing really well. Apparently we need to do another series. And what's this one? Honor your mother and father and your days will be long. That's why. So for these that are new, that we did this series and there's 10 finger reminders that help you remember the commandments in order. It's great. We'll teach it to you later. So there's this rule <clears throat> that we're to honor our mothers and, and our father and our days will be long. What was happening was these Pharisees were taking the money that they normally would have used to contribute towards their parents when their parents were aging to help care for them. And they were taking another rule and they were declaring that money to be God's. Does that make sense? And so they were saying if, if whatever category C over here is care money for mom and dad when they get old, what I'm going to do then is I'm going to stipulate that category in my budget as God's money. So when mom and dad need help, then I will somehow be exempt from the help mom and dad rule because I've already exempt that portion to God. Does that even begin to make sense to you guys? It's a loophole. That's what they're doing. They're trying to get a loophole for helping their parents. And so they're asking this question to Jesus. What's the deal with your disciples? Like, they don't wash their elbows. And you know they're supposed to wash their elbows? This is a rule. And he says, whoa, whoa. Why are you judging about a tradition when in your own lives you're taking God's written law and somehow canceling out your responsibility by making up other traditions. So Jesus, man, he comes through and he hits them right in the jugular with this one. The main thought this weekend, and you can write it down, and then there's going to be this main action point that's going to come out of it here at the end in just a minute. Don't use the Father's words to avoid doing the Father's will. Don't use the Father's words to avoid doing the Father's will. And just at the end, you're going to see this. I'll drive it home here at the end with a, with a second point that's a, that, that will be application. Anytime you start looking for a loophole to skirt Jesus' teaching, you're guilty. Anytime you use religion as an excuse to mistreat or uh, to hurt someone, you're a hypocrite. Understanding our propensity towards, uh, to, to gravitate towards what's comfortable and what's beneficial and what's easy and to skirt our way out of some of these things and understanding that we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to hide behind theology. He gathers his followers together and he hits it right at the point. He says, look, you guys are making the wrong thing the main thing. Whoa. Here's what we do. We make the wrong thing the main thing. And we understand that what Jesus did was he came to simplify what had become way too complicated. They had hundreds of rules. More rules than you could even imagine. Rules to help us not break rules. And he did the most brilliant thing. He pushed back and said, you guys are missing the point entirely. Why in the world would God care and communicate to us in his word about our morality? Or why would he talk to us about our sexuality or our marriages or our finances or give us, give us clues on how to raise our children? Why does he care about all of those things? Why? Why do we have the rules that we have? Why in the Miller home do we have a light blanket rule? Is it because I like light blanket rules? Everybody do this. No. If you're, kids, no. 
The reason we have a light blanket rule is not so that you get passionate about light blanket rules. The reason that we have a light blanket rule in our house, ready? You can get so caught up in the rules that you miss the heart of the commander of the rule is because I love my kids. And I know that if they step over and cross that line, there are going to be problems. And I want to help my kids not have problems. Just like our Heavenly Father wants to help us not have problems. And so he'll put rules in place for us to be able to be protected. So kind of like the coach does at halftime when the wheels have come off the football team and you're overcomplicating everything. This is what I love about Jesus. It's kind of like that halftime conversation when everything is bad and the old coach just reaches into the bag and he picks up a football and he says, this is a football. We're getting too complicated out there. This is what we're supposed to do. When the other team has the football, go get them. When we have the football, take it down the field and get in the end zone. Okay? Ready on two. Let's go. That's kind of what Jesus did when he was interacting with people. So he would say things like this in John chapter 13, verse 34. He would say, a new command I give to you, love one another. I love how simple that is. Like all the hundreds of rules that these guys are running around trying to keep, rules to help you from breaking other rules. He just says, whoa, stop. You guys have totally lost the intent of all of this. Let's go back to the heartbeat of our Heavenly Father. Let's go back to the heartbeat of Jesus, and let's understand what this is all about. And he says, listen, it's so simple. Love one another. That's ingenious. It's also part of the simplicity of the armbands that we have on. Some of you have them on today. GFO. Awesome. I love the simplicity of that. Man, love God like crazy and make that your first priority. Love your family like crazy and make that your second priority. And then you care about the people in this world and you love them like crazy. That's it. Just go do that. So on Monday, I'm on an airplane flying to Pittsburgh because I was speaking last week at a, at a conference for church planters. And I was sitting in this row, and there was a guy sitting. One seat was free in between us. And he said, look, very serious guy. And he had a lot going on, I could tell. And at, on our flight, he, he, uh, he stopped me, and he, he kind of leaned over, and he said, hey. He's like, uh, I like your armband. And I was like, oh, Thanks, man. Now, I've heard about this happening to other people. But he said to me then, he said, uh, are you a fighter? And I'm pretty sure it's the goatee, right? Because, like, I'm not a fighter. You guys that know me, I'm not a fighter. My brothers beat me up all the time because I'm a lover, not a fighter. I don't like to fight. This guy thought I was a fighter. And the only thing I could figure out was the goatee. So, uh, and which, you, know, you guys know the story. Zach said it would be a good idea if I let my goatee grow until we get in the building, which was great. <laughs> like three months ago, and it's not so great anymore. So it's coming off hopefully soon. And uh, I was like, why would you think I'm a fighter? And he's like, yeah, that, that, the go F off uh, armband. Like, that's awesome. And I was like, oh, right, right. It's not the goatee. It's my cool armband. Actually, let me just clarify. I said, uh, I'm not a fighter. No, 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 I'm not a fighter. I'm actually... 
I'm actually a pastor. And he was like, you could just see like, you know, the bags are dropping. There's no oxygen left in the airplane, right? It was a, it was a crazy moment. And he was like, whoa. And I said, it actually means God first. Like we love God like crazy, family second. We love family like crazy. And then we care about other people and we love them like crazy. And he's like, wow. And he started to cry. It's a true story. This is a grown man sitting next to me. He started to cry. And he's like, I think there's a reason why I'm sitting next to you. And I said, bro, what's going on? And he said, I'm actually on my way from Denver to Pittsburgh because my best friend in all the worlds, we grew up together, families together. His sister just died in a horrific car accident. Three people passed away. I, don't, I, I hate that I have to go, but I have to be there to support them. And so we started talking about that and talking about how the Lord will go with them and give him words to say to bring comfort and comfort him as well. And then he gave me his, his business card, and we've been exchanging you know, emails back and forth now throughout the course of this week. Simple, simple, simple. And it's not, it's not go F off. <laughs> it's love like crazy. Love God like crazy. I always have to be careful when I say that because I'm just like fearful that you could say the wrong word, right? Like the abbreviations are important. <clears throat> Fast forward 20, 20 something years later and you see Jesus is gone, but Paul gets this too. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 13. In Romans chapter 13, he says it this way. He says, owe nothing to anyone. Now listen, this is so beautiful how Paul says this except for your obligation to love one another. Now watch him continue. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments, now he's talking about the commandments, remember? The commandments say, you must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. Now, here's the beautiful thing. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Man, Paul hit it right here. It's awesome. He said, look, you know the commandments. Let's, let's just simplify, pull back. This is a football. He says, you want to know how you do this right? Love. That's it. You love other people the way you would want to be loved. You love your God because of all that he's done for you, and you don't have to worry about any of the other commandments. So in a world that's looking in at us thinking, oh, I don't know how you guys do it. It's all about rules. It's all about regulations, and I just don't want to live my life that way. We can all say, whoa, 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 I get how you got there because historically Christians have done a really bad job staying connected to the heart of the commander of this whole thing. But let me just tell you, it's not about rules and regulations. I can sum it up in the most beautiful statement ever that I know you will understand and that you could apply to your life too. Love God and love others, period. Now to me, that seems like a whole easier deal to follow than 600 and something rules and many rules that are rules to help us to not break rules. This is what God wants us to do. This is what Jesus wants us to do. Now I want you to pay attention. If you don't apply the teachings of the Bible through the filter of love, you've misapplied them. 
this application point is coming, and I don't want you to miss how powerful this is. I don't want you to miss how simplifying this is, how clarifying this is. Here it is. Christ followers, when we wake up in the morning, we need to ask this one question in the beginning of our day and all throughout our day and before we go to bed. This is the question. What does love require of me? Period. What does love require? require of me. You might want to write that down. What does love require of me? Think about that in the context of your marriages. At times when things aren't going well, or maybe you have a disagreement about something, what do you need to do? You need to ask yourself and filter what you're getting ready to say and how you're getting ready to act with this question. What does love require of me? What about in our situations at work? Maybe it's with our boss, or if you're the boss, maybe it's with your employees, or maybe it's with a team that you're leading, or you're having some kind of things that's not working with a coworker. What do you need to do? Filter it with this. What does love require of me? Maybe if you're one of our students that's recently headed off to college and you're listening by podcast and you're thinking about the situations in your dorm or your fraternity or or your sorority or in relationships that you're forming, let me tell you something, students. Here's the key. When you're at high school this week and you're interacting with your friends and trying to make decisions about what to do and what not to do and how you should behave, ask this question, what does love require of me? With your boyfriend, with your girlfriend, with your brothers, with your sisters, with your prodigal son, with your parents who you think think sometimes don't get it. What do you need to do? Filter it with this question. What does love require of me? You see, disciples, true Christ followers, they're not looking for loopholes on this. They're not looking for a way out. That's what Christians used to do. Christ followers need to ask the question, what does love require of me? Of me. You show me a husband, you show me a wife, you show me a mom, a dad, a grandparent, you show me a student, you show me a kid uh, that asks these questions, and I promise you, you can forget about all the rest of the rules and regulations. If you do this, what does love require of me in my relationship with God, and what does love require of me in my relationships with others, and you do that, don't worry about all the rest of the rules. You've got it right there. You know how I know it's true? Because that's what Jesus said. He said, keep it simple. Aren't you glad that your heavenly father filters what he does with that same question? So our heavenly father one day said, what does love require of me? And he knew that we had a problem here. We had a sin problem. And so you know what love required of him? to send his son. And aren't you glad that Jesus filtered his life here on earth through that same question? Wanting on a regular basis to bail from this responsibility because it was going to be tough? But what did he ask? What does love require of me? It required him going to a cross. It required him dying for you and for me so that we could be in relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so he filtered his whole time here on earth and our heavenly father, we can see it in the way that he does things, filtered through this, what does love require of me? 
What if you parented that way? What if instead of overcomplicating things, this week, that was our commitment in our marriages, in our relationships at work, with our friends on the football team or whatever it is, in the classrooms? What does love require of me? What if that was the mantra of your interactions with your neighbors, your boss? What does love require of me? You see, we're not going to try and avoid doing the Father's will, misusing the Father's words. We're going to ask regularly, daily, maybe even hourly, what does love require of me? We you bow your heads for just a moment? When it comes to things related to relationship with the Lord, I think one of the greatest loopholes that's ever been used is someone that says, you know, religion, that's not for me. And maybe there's somebody here today in our theater, and you're not even sure how you got here, but the reality is you're sitting here in this moment, and you maybe have used that excuse before, or maybe a loophole that says something like this, boy, if you knew, Doug, what I have done, if you knew what I have been through, you would understand that, that this religion stuff is not for me. There's no way God wants to be in relationship with me. And can you hear me for a second? You're right. You're right that so often in our lives we've used all kinds of excuses and, and you may be very right about some of the things that have happened in your life. And you're extremely right about religion not being for you. But it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship with an incredible God that filtered his interactions with us through the question that we've been talking about today. What does love require of me? The answer to that is found in this relationship that we can have with him, regardless of what you've been through, regardless of what you've done. That's not what matters today. What matters is that when we ask ourselves today that question, what does love require of me? It's a response to his love to you. And so we have a decision to make today. And I want to encourage you in your own words. Maybe you're at this spot for the first time in your life where you realize you've made all kinds of excuses and tried to initiate loopholes to get out of a personal relationship with God and tried to explain it away in lots of ways, saying that it wasn't for you or whatever. And today I want to tell you, we're done with that. My heart's prayer this week has been that you would be done with that, that we would stop trying to find a way out, but that we would try with a passion understanding his love for us to find a way in. And you're right, it's not about rules and regulations. It's about love. His love for us, our love for him, and our love for others. So in your own words, will you just tell him right now, I'm done playing the game. I don't want out, I want in. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to help me to understand your love for me and help me to understand what it means to live for you and to make you the Lord of my life. You pray that prayer. And then today, on your way out, you begin to ask this question that we've talked about today. What does love require of me? And for the rest of us that sometimes get caught up in the rules and the regulations and somehow miss the heart of our Heavenly Father, where the rules are more important than the intent of our God who gave us the rules. 
can we do this? Can we just keep it simple? That today and tomorrow morning and in the middle of conversations and challenging spots of life, ask the question, what does love require of me in this moment? God, will you help us to live that way? Forgive us for making this complicated. Forgive us for making it about something that it's not. Lord, will you help us to live what we wear on our arms that we would say passionately, we will pursue God and we will love him like crazy. That we will place our family in the second place of our lives in terms of priority. And we will often ask ourselves in our relationships with our family and also with others, what does love require of me? God, will you change us from the inside out? Help us to not get caught up on rules, but help us to be very passionate and crazy about our relationship with you. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name that we pray together.